the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. The NASDAQ was down yesterday. The S&P 500, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, all down. A lot of red yesterday. Nothing dramatic, just a lot of red. 10-year treasury sits at 3.7%, which I'm pleasantly surprised with. Because it feels that when you can get 4% on your money in a 10-year treasury, that may be a wiser choice than getting... 3.7, where does the magic number come where you'll take the safety of the United States Treasury versus the risk exposure to cash? The risk exposure to cash would be inflation outpaces your cash returns of your treasury or risk exposure your cash maybe you invest in. Bitcoin's at 16,682. A couple more... Shoes fell in the world of Bitcoin. A couple more exchanges said, you know, we're not going to honor withdrawals. In fact, we're going to freeze them. Gemini and Genesis being the two newest ones. Taking a look at Bitcoin and seeing how it's reacting today. Um, to that news, it's 16,521. It's holding, but not by a lot. Most in the industry see it going down to twelve to 13,000 in the near term. Because all you have to do is take a look at a chart of Bitcoin, and you can see that's where it started to take off. I'm under the feeling that if you're one of the enthusiasts of Bitcoin, you're probably hurting people. Um, and when I say Bitcoin, I'll say cryptocurrencies. And the two main ones to me are Ethereum and Bitcoin. I tend to like the Ethereum platform for blockchain better. But I see the value in the blockchain. I don't see the value in the digital ticket. It's a lottery ticket that you're going to hopefully see go higher than you're going to sell it to someone at a higher level. I don't see any utility in that. So I own no crypto that I know of. Now keep in mind, if you own shares of Tesla... Tesla bought a uh, you know, billion dollars worth of Bitcoin foolishly last year. I mean, seriously, if you think Elon Musk is a genius, t- take a look at two of his last big things. Dogecoin was a disaster. Bitcoin was a disaster. And Twitter's been a disaster. He asked Jack Dorsey to run the company. Jack Dorsey said four letters. I love him. Nope. That's funny. Take a look at um, the stories of the day. Stock dipped yesterday after Target predicted that we'll not have a so Merry Christmas after all. People are really downgrading to Walmart right now. Things are too expensive at Target. 
too nice. That's above us. We don't eat that way when there's a recession. I think this was made official yesterday. The Republicans officially have taken back the House of Representatives from Democrats. While their margin of victory is slim, the GOP will be able to stymie many of President Biden's plans in the last two years of his term. I kind of like that in the sense of gridlock. I kind of hate it in the sense of social advancement. But I don't think there's right answers. There's just compromises. A few select Swifty fans got a special code that was supposed to let them snag tickets priced anywhere from $49 to $450 a piece before the masses could. But Ticketmaster was not prepared for the millions of fans that showed up to secure a ticket to Swift's first tour since 2018. Despite issuing the pre-sale codes. That's the interesting part about it. They were overwhelmed with pre-sale codes, which in theory isn't the full force of the Swifties. You have to have a Capital One visa and they'll send you a code and it went live on Tuesday. Nope. It broke down on Tuesday. So they're like, we're going to go live on Wednesday. Um, give Ticketmaster credit. They are a monopoly. They merged with Live Nation. They've cornered the live event space. They've been dogged by antitrust allegations. Dynamic pricing has pushed tickets for Bruce Springsteen up to $5,000 this summer. And then you piss off the Swifties. You got Congress mad at you for being in a monopoly. You got Springsteen fans who, yeah, they're a little bit older. They can afford the $5,000 ticket, maybe. If you don't have a fully funded retirement and you're paying $5,000 for a ticket, shame on you. But yesterday, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted that Ticketmaster is a monopoly and should be broken up. Tennessee Attorney General Jonathan Schermecki said he worried Ticketmaster may have potentially violated consumer protection laws. Last month, President Biden said he would look into sky-high processing fees on concert tickets. He didn't say Ticketmaster directly. But when you're thinking sky-high processing fees on concert tickets, you're thinking Ticketmaster. So you can buy a virtual monopoly, but will they be broken up? Paramore's upcoming tour is trying out a face value ticket exchange to curb resale gouging. Mm, I don't know. Seems seems to me there's always going to be gouging. But again, I grew up with gouging. Musk said yesterday that Twitter will become extremely hardcore. He gave remaining employees an ultimatum. By 5 p.m. today, they could choose to keep working at Twitter for long hours at high intensity or give up their jobs and collect three-month severance. Uh, interesting, right? I don't think that approach works in this day and age. Sam Bakeman freed won't top, stop talking. He's being asked by governments around the world. We need you to testify on what exactly you just did. He admitted his public calls for crypto regulation were just PR and that regulators make everything worse. They don't protect customers at all. On ethics, he said that his talk of being ethical was mostly a front to boost his reputation and suggested that people get harmed by this dumb game we woke Westerners play, where we say all the right uh, syllabus so everyone likes us. On bankruptcy, he said he regrets caving to peer pressure and filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. If he had it, he estimates that 70% of the problem would be fixed. He talked about how he loaned out customer funds and didn't have collateral to cover it. 
And his quote there was, sometimes life creeps up on you. This guy needs to do jail time. It's cute when you see Larry David, Tom Brady, Naomi Osaka, the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, talk about crypto. It's not funny when the average person loses everything they they own. This guy needs to do some time. A 16-pound turkey costs 21% more per pound this year than last year. That's crazy. Prices for potatoes, pie crust, and canned pumpkin and stuffing have all gone up. The only holiday staple whose price went down, fresh cranberries. Yuck. Broad food inflation isn't the only factor driving turkey prices higher this year. Supply is down due to a particularly deadly bout of avian flu, bird flu. Remember when bird flu was our big flu, not COVID? There should still be enough to go around. Butterball, which supplies one-third of all Thanksgiving turkey, said only 1% of its production was affected because of the safety measures. The average cost of a typical Thanksgiving meal is up 20% from last year. It's on track to be the costliest turkey dinner since the survey started 37 years ago. Uh, Can we go out to eat tonight is what my question is going to be on Thanksgiving. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. Taco Bell is at it again. They've rolled out a seven-layer nacho fries. It joins the Enchirito, kind of part enchilada, part burrito. And it also joins the new grilled cheese nacho fries. I bring up Taco Bell. I've never eaten a Taco Bell. Why do I bring up a Taco Bell? Because it shows you a valuable lesson investing. It's all about product. NVIDIA just announced a pretty good quarter, and they said things look better going forward, so the stock's responding nicely. After having a monster 10-year run, it's had a monster six-month fall. But what NVIDIA said is we've got a lot of video gaming cards, the 4080, the 4090, and we have more of them than we want. They've been made. They need to be sold. They were hoping to sell them at full price, but the demand's not there. So NVIDIA is going to work with their channel partners to cut down on the inventory. A financial statement can teach you a lot. DSOs, day sales outstanding. You can look at the inventory. So day sales outstanding is how long has the software been in the pipeline to be sold? And will the customer ever pay for it? When you start getting to 80 or 90 days, the answer is nope. With inventory... Just like with housing, the more inventory, the more the buyer's in control. The less inventory, the more the seller's in control. Also kind of factors in demand and issues. But Taco Bell rolling out a seven-layer nacho cheese fries and a nacho and a grilled cheese nacho fries. It's, it's, it's very telling that it's all about product. Now, who does eat at Taco Bell? Lower, lower income and millennials and millennials. And older people, like my mother-in-law, because she's a wackadoodle. No. Well, yes. But also, you start losing your taste buds as you get older. And you you needed the salt to say, oh, that's good. 
Can you imagine getting your mother-in-law a Taco Bell gift card as a Christmas gift and she's happy? <laughs> Sucks to be me. So let's get back into reality here. The average 401k balance sank for the third consecutive quarter and is now down 23% from a year ago. That sounds about right. And that's okay. Now, I set the average 401k, but Fidelity also said the average individual retirement account's down about the same. It's down about 25% versus 23%. And that sits at about $101,900. How much do you need to retire? I say 10 to 20 times your salary to start the conversation. Um, and then it's going to turn out to how much do you spend, how much do you save, and how much do you earn? So you got to like tinker, tinker. The Apple iPhone Pro and Pro Max won't be delivered before Christmas. The wait now stands at 41 days. So if you were thinking about getting your sugar booger a phone, forget about it. Um, factory in China shut down that was making a lot of iPhones. Pushed the wait time from about 26 days to 41 days pretty quickly. Good news is that's the priciest and most expensive phone. Bad news is Apple's having some problems. And they're going to really need to diversify their supply chain into India and into the United States. What else do we need to talk about? Gasoline prices this holiday are about 20 cents higher than last year. 49 million Americans are going to hit the road. Jack. I'm actually looking forward to next week. It's been a tough two years. I'm really looking forward to tonight, the seminar, because it's been a tough two years of not being able to connect with people. I don't have a lot of friends in life. My friends are my listeners. I am pathetic. I know. Um, I have some friends. I have more than I I say I do, but let's just put it this way. Sometimes I'd rather hang out with you. <laughs> Hopefully the spouse doesn't hear this one today. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. Disney World's going to raise their ticket prices for a second time in a year. But you can still buy tickets for next year if you buy them until December 8th. That's when prices on most ticket types will be increasing, including single-day tickets, multi-day passes, and annual pass renewals. Company's flagship resort in Orlando already hiked up ticket prices in February, making it the second time in a calendar year that entering the most magical place in the world has become more expensive. I like Disney for the long-term patient investor, and it's been nothing but a bust in the last five years. Um, it's gone sideways. It hasn't been a bust. It's gone sideways. It's paid its dividend. Whoops, but they stopped paying a dividend. The current price to get into a park for one day is $109. Up to $159, depending on demand. Dynamic pricing, don't you hate it? But starting December 8th, that's going to range now, depending on which park you choose to visit. Three out of the four theme parks will be more expensive to visit with Magic Kingdom and Disney's Hollywood Studios both seeing more than a 12% increase. Disney's Animal Kingdom jumps. Disney's Hollywood Studios jumps. Epcot jumps. Magic Kingdom Park jumps. Um, I don't know. If Disney were to stop or to break off streaming, I think the price would go up. 
but the parks and the cruises were hard hit during the pandemic. Disney has this amazing ability. They're going to be able to raise prices for a long time. I was raised on some Disney films, Escape from Witch Mountain or Magic Witch Mountain. I grew up seeing my little sister enjoying the Pixar films. She's got her kids in Pixar films. I got my kids in Pixar films. My kids will get their kids in Pixar films. It's the ultimate babysitter, Disney Plus. Because instead of buying a DVD that's going to get scratched up and beat up, your kid wants to watch Dory again. You just stream it again and again and again and again and again. It's the perfect babysitter. You get the idea. So the ability to raise prices is a positive for Disney. But streaming is, they just don't seem to have the right, they're spending too much. It's a great service, I guess. I don't really watch it. Yes, I fell for the Mandalorian season one. Um, but by season two, I couldn't care less. One minute. Just not a lot of things in television that get me excited. So I started the segment talking about fast food and I, I got into inventory and I, I said this whole segment's about product. Disney has a product. They have something parents trust, content that we trust. Content that's not going to freak out our kids. Maybe it's going to freak out our kids because Bambi's mom does die. There's a lot of death of mothers in Disney's worlds. But we live with it. We move on. 30. Disney's down today. Ouch. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Thanks for listening. Hopefully 2023 will be a great year for us with a lot of new content that will financially educate you. Stick with me. I'm Rob Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. An executive at FTX threw up when he learned the crypto exchange's impending collapse. The man who is running FTX right now in bankruptcy also ran Enron when they're in bankruptcy. He's kind of got that job of liquidating a company. One of the things he learned is that FTX very likely bought some employees' homes with clients' money. There is something to be said for regulations in the United States versus no regulations in the Bahamas, Bermuda, and other parts of the world. I, I didn't, I, I've been consistent in the last two years saying I own no crypto. I see some value with maybe putting 1% to 5% of your money in crypto when it comes down like it has. If you can get hit 13000 12000 I might revisit that story and say maybe I should put 1% to 5% in. For now, I don't need to. There are enough people in the crypto world that I don't think it goes to zero. But there's also a lot of stupid people in the crypto world. Michael Saylor is one of them. He was an idiot that couldn't run a company in 25 years ago. His track record is miserably bad and stupid and, and bad and awful and no good and bad and awful. His track records, what am I trying to say? <laughs> Can you put the words in my mouth? Yes. And he gets out there as like a spokesperson for crypto. I'm like, that's a bad spokesperson. Um. I'm trying to come up with like another bad spokesperson and I was thinking like maybe like be like having 
And I was like, what, what athlete has had uh, multiple affairs on his wife and putting him in charge of a dating website as a spokesperson? Like, no, that's probably not a good one. I was like, I'll get canceled if I say that athlete's name. <clears throat> but you may be thinking about the same person that I'm thinking about that was in the headlines a couple of years ago for settling rape charges. Uh, but I'm not going to say it. Not not going not gonna to do it. Um, so I follow a crypto influencer on Instagram, and she's got this really nasty habit of reaching out to people like, hey, how are you doing? It's part of her business model. She works for a, a crypto trading firm, and she thinks she's all that in a bucket of chicken, and she's not. Um, and she's spouting things like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, don't worry, it'll be fine. And for some people, it won't be. They're doing real harm to real people. And that's why I'm doing this this segment yet again on crypto and Sam Bankman-Fried. Um. He's a problem. The FTX scandal, the class action lawsuit, the bankruptcy, the what was supposed to be decentralized, i.e. one company couldn't take down another company, has turned out to be false. The idea that crypto would work in the face of inflation and do well didn't work. No one's buying cars or houses with crypto. And when you do, it's kind of a publicity stunt. So nothing about it feels anything other than a digital lottery ticket that you buy at X amount of dollars that you hope to sell at two times X, three times X, four times X, five times X. Let's talk a little bit about the Fed right now. What are they trying to accomplish? They're raising interest rates. They're <clears throat> raising interest rates to make borrowing costs higher. That has seen a slowdown in the real estate market. It has seen debt explode in credit card debt as far as how much it costs to service it. It has not seen what it needs to see in order to defeat inflation quickly and, and, and in a nice way, which would be job losses in middle America, not job losses at tech companies. Tech companies were obnoxious in the last two years, hiring anyone and everyone. Their stocks were high. As long as the stocks went high, the, the air. The financial statements tell the whole story. For many tech companies in the last two years, the selling, the general, and administrative expenses grew. That's what an organization incurs when selling merchandise or providing services, SGA. But the revenues didn't grow. But the cost of servicing revenues did. So now that we're looking at a recession, you're seeing tech companies say, you know what? We overhired. We need to to cut our SGA line. And that's what they're doing. But to really see this work out, you need to see cuts at General Motors and Ford. You need to see firings at banks, which we're seeing. You need to see the unemployment rate at 6%, not at 4%. So until we start seeing those numbers come in, we're fully employed almost. And if we're fully employed, that means we get a paycheck. And you may not be getting the paycheck that you want, but you're getting a paycheck. And that services your needs in your life. Hopefully. So I think we've done it. We've talked about FTX. 
we've talked about the Fed. What else is there to talk about? Um, oh, I know what we can talk about. We can talk about what we're seeing out there today. Federal Reserve isn't doing the stock market any favors. You're seeing Federal Reserve members come out and speak a little bit here, speak a little bit there. And when they speak, they're sending out little balloons to tell the market, this is what we're doing, this is what we're not doing. St. Louis Fed President Bullard acknowledged that the Fed fund rates is not yet sufficiently restrictive and citing the Taylor rule. said a 5 to 7% Fed fund rate may be needed. Kansas City Fed President George he said a real slowing in the labor markets and a contraction in the economy may be needed to reduce inflation. That's absolutely right. I learned a phrase 25 years ago that I'm going to share with you. And you can steal it and use it yourself because I stole it and used it. When the Fed goes on a campaign to raise interest rates, they're just pushed on a string. If the Fed can go in and gut 10% of the workforce right now, they would, but they don't have that power to do that. And that's a big number, so I'm embellishing there for sure. But Kansas City Fed President George said a real slowing in the labor markets and a contraction in the economy may be needed to reduce inflation. Slowing in the labor markets is exactly what it sounds like. People not getting jobs, people losing jobs. That's how you kill inflation. Think of a family member. They're barely getting by, but... You're jealous of his wife because she's good looking. Your brother's barely getting by. He's a one income family. He sells cars at the car dealership in Kansas City. A car dealership's like, well, we have to pay him somewhat to stay around and try to sell cars, but we're not selling any cars. So one of our five salespeople is going to get fired. Oh, it's your brother. Al Shock covet his wife, right? Ah, where's this analogy going? <clears throat> So he loses his job and you could think of somebody like that where it would impact their family. What would they do? Because you know, they're like, oh, they went to Europe this summer. Ah, they're going to China for the holidays. You're like, they're spending a lot of money and he just lost his job. I don't know if he's going to be able to survive on that. And then you're in your back of your head is like, yeah, he's probably not saving anything for retirement either. Doesn't have a nest egg. I've got three years of an emergency fund, fully funded. I built it up over the last five years, 10 years, where my emergency fund went um, a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher. Uh, Actually, I should say this correctly. I've been building up my three-year money supply for when I retire, when I no longer care about a paycheck. And I've been slowly building up my emergency fund, which is about six months of income. So let's say my family lives off $200,000 a year. uh, What am I saying? Let's give a better example. If we live off $200,000 a year, I want six months at least $100,000 in cash or cash-like equivalent. In case I lose my job, it'll take me about six months to get out in the job market and get my resumes uh, out there and say, hey, I can be a rainmaker for your company. Um, I like your product. You like me. Let's work together. It's going to take me a little bit of time to send out emails and get people invigorated in my new podcast. That's why I have six months of emergency money in case I lose my job. 
Now I have three years of income for when I retire, if the stock market goes down, I don't have to sell a stock. I would be very upset if I had to sell stock this year in order to fund my income. I'm not in retirement, but I'm prepping my retirement to give me three years of income. I've prepped my emergency fund to give me six months to find another job. Do you have those in place? Because you really, really should. One minute. Job cuts are coming. It's like a bad Game of Thrones episode. Winter is coming. Job cuts are coming. Hopefully it'll be well lit because it's certainly not in Game of Thrones or House of Dragons. Initial jobless claims for the week ending November 12th decreased by 4,222,000. So first time unemployment claims came out this morning and they were solid. Job economy is fine. And remember, we just talked about Fed President George. It's a funny name, right? Saying that we need the labor market to go softer and it's strong right now. Elsewhere, we saw housing starts decrease 4.2% month over month in October. We saw a Philly Fed index fall showing signs of a contraction. New order activity declines. That's positive because bad news is good news. Weird, right? Good news like strong jobs is bad news. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I've been in the markets now for over 25 years. Since 1996. Yeah, I got in during a bull market for sure. But then four years later, I got to see my first bear market and I got to see a down market and I got to see how the market responded after that. I've gone through a cycle and it's happened again in 2008. It happened again in 2012. We're seeing another cycle in 2021 with the pandemic. 2003 was a noteworthy year because the dot-com bust finally ended. It went down in 2000, 2001, 2002. It was not a a 10-month affair, which is what we're in right now. It was a three-year affair, not 10 months, 36 months. So I'm going to tell you what's going to work. <clears throat> Tonight at the seminar, I'm going to give a link to every seminar attendee. This is the first time I've ever done that to a 50-minute presentation that I just recently did on the economy and stocks. If you didn't sign up for the event, you don't get it. I'm sorry. I'm trying to drive some value of coming to live events. And I'm going to try to bring more things. For instance, I'm preparing a tax webinar for you um, before uh, April 15th of next year. So you can start learning more about how financial planners deal with taxes. Um, But the best thing you can do right now is to learn something from 2003. 2000, 2001, 2002, we saw the crappiest, most awful, dreadful tech stocks go down. Some of them went to zero. What's interesting is I think many of them would have would have imploded a lot like FTX has done with crypto, but stock market bringing them down forced them into selling to other companies, which I think hid a lot of cockroaches, a lot of companies that were just flawed and cancerous and bad. So 2000, we saw the tech bubble and we saw all the trashy stocks go away. And there was some trashy tech stocks like GeoCities where you're like, why do we have this? 2020, we saw a tech bubble form and stock market roll. And this year, we've seen that tech uh, market kind of pop a little bit. 
And when I say that, I'm talking about the mega cap tech stocks, the biggies, like Facebook, like Google, like Apple. Now, Apple's fared better than Facebook, but the big five, not doing well this year. What is doing well this year is value stocks. 19 years ago, it was the beginning of what was the biggest monetary policy ever that the Fed had ever made. And it goes on to make a bigger monetary policy 19 years later with what we're doing now. If you go around and take a look at video from the last 10 years of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, they've been taking a giant dump on Bitcoin saying, nope, I'm not going to chase that at 60,000, 50,000, 40,000, 30,000, 20,000. These are the best investors in the world. Not a bunch of old uh, numbskulls. They're getting the last laugh. Bitcoin is collapsing in front of their eyes, and they told you it had no no value, and it doesn't have any value. What they see that has value is value. There's two types of stocks: growth stocks and value stocks. I think if Berkshire Hathaway is around for another five years, if Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett are lucky to be alive because they're old. They'll see their stock up 50% in the next five years. And it's a value stock that's going to have growth-like numbers. We have entered a period of higher interest rates where the growth stocks rock and roll off of cheap money. Cheap money's gone. In 2003, you saw a valuable market that started. If you recall in 2003, ExxonMobil had the biggest market cap. Hard to believe after a few years with tech stocks at $2 trillion valuations, but it's possible. ExxonMobil was big, boring, old industrial company. How would I invest right now for the next five years? I'm going to favor a lot more value. How would I do it? Step one, a value exchange traded fund, ETF or mutual fund. If you don't have value in your portfolio, I say get some or consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stock mentioned on the show or work with a financial planner that can help you. The second best way to get into value is through an industrials or basic materials ETF or mutual fund. The third best way is trying to pick some value stocks. I don't think the average person should be picking stocks. Uh, I could tell you a couple of the value stocks that I've picked up recently include Target and Caterpillar. I certainly would look at Coca-Cola, things that'll be around in good economies and bad economies, things that have pricing power abilities to raise prices just a little bit here, a little bit there. If you're sitting on tech stocks that were like Peloton, I don't think Peloton's ever going to hit its 52-week high again. And if it does, it's going to be 15 years. The pain is still there for the junk stocks. I don't think it turns around fast. The unsexiest stocks that you can buy, value stocks, the things that we've been laughing at for the last 10 years, like why do you need to own value when you can own Apple? Trust me, I own Apple. I made fun of people who were in value stocks. I would pull that chick from that Netflix show. Anna, you look poor. Why do you own a value stock? You look poor. 
I, I'm not. I'm never really that bad. But you get the idea. One minute. Value is going to be, I think, the outperformer for the next three to five years. A lot like it was in 2003. After all the stocks went to zero, it was the value stocks that carried the market. It was the value stocks that pushed ExxonMobil to the highest market cap in the world. Is this going to be like, oh, it's been six months of punishment for the tech companies. Let's let's get them out of punishment. No. And I, I think, for instance, Google looks more attractive to me today than it did last year. Facebook, we, we got to get over this metaverse thing. So I, I have no opinion on Facebook. Apple is a luxury item that has a luxury price. I don't think the stock outperforms value. And I don't think so. I think it's nice to hold on to, but not much else. Except for maybe they get into that metaverse or into a car with alternate reality. Hey, I'm telling you everything that I do. This show is honest to a fault. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.